Good morning, everybody. Man, great to uh, see you here this morning. Glad that you have come out to join us and to be a part of our time together today. Uh, it is a, um, always a special, special time whenever we are able to get together, but uh, today especially because I have, I've seen multiple memes online this week reminding everybody that, you know, when your preacher gets finished with the message that somebody needs to pour Gatorade on on him because it is the Super Bowl weekend and thanks to Kay Penley she she decided that she would not uh, actually rush the stage and douse the preacher but she did bring me a nice beverage and so I appreciate that just to just to keep me um, hydrated because man this is going to be this is going to be one of those one of those messages, right? I mean, you're feeling it. It's a big weekend. It's exciting. And so I, I appreciate that. I'm going to go ahead and uh, take a swig before we get started. You know, I thought maybe we should put some of this in communion every once in a while just to pump, pump you guys up. But hey, uh, this is good. And uh, hey, we're so glad that you're here. Thanks for putting on the jerseys and uh, coming and having a good time with us this morning. And we are excited to announce... Uh, and and we've, been, we've been holding back on this announcement, but we waited to, until this weekend. And so we really are excited about this to let you know that Taylor Swift will be attending tonight's Super Bowl. She will be there. Um, I know that more than a few of you were concerned that her concert in Tokyo, Japan would prohibit her from being able to make it to Las Vegas in time for kickoff. But I actually got an alert on my phone last night at 8.30 p.m. I did. An alert at 8.30 saying that her private plane had been spotted at LAX in Los Angeles. You know, I knew that NORAD tracked Santa. But Taylor Swift? I mean, I mean, really? Did you know that this was a thing? I read on Thursday how that the, the Japanese embassy in Washington, D.C., issued a statement on social media reassuring fans that Tay-Tay would, and I quote, wow Japanese audiences and still make it to Las Vegas to support the Chiefs. Whew, man, that's a relief. With all the things going on in the world today, I'm glad that we took care of that one and made sure and, and look, I, I know that, yes, I am making light of this, and I'm risking the wrath of all the Swifties in the room, but I just got to admit, I don't, I don't understand the fuss. I really don't. I don't understand what it's all about. I mean, she's not even playing in the game. She's not even bringing the footballs to the game. I mean, they can play the game without her. She's not even doing the national anthem. I mean, praise God for Reba, right? I mean, whoo, happy about that one. Guys, she's not even going to be singing at halftime. Normally, that's the big deal, right? It's all about who's going to be singing at halftime. Do you even know who's singing at halftime? Usher. Oh, good. All right, some of you know Chattanooga ties, right, for Usher. So, I mean, there's something exciting going on for Chattanooga. Usher's going to be there at halftime. I don't know where his plane is. I don't know where he was yesterday. I, I don't know what he had for lunch last week. I, I, I don't. I just know he's going to be singing at halftime, which is, which is really cool. But Taylor Swift, 
she's just going to show up. That's it. <laughs> she is just going to show up. And get this, because she shows up, people are going to tune in. Lending tree analyst Matt Schultz told CBS Money Watch, there are an awful lot of people out there who are more likely to watch the Super Bowl now because Taylor Swift may be there. Do you know that? All right. So, um, so, so let's see. Actually, Christian, go back to that, to that first picture that's just the picture without the quote. All right? Go back to that one just a minute. Uh, I, I think this was a great picture because it kind of shows the way different people perhaps feel about Taylor Swift. If you look there on the left side of the screen, just over her right shoulder, look at that. Look at that nice little girl looking over at Tay-Tay. Oh, look at those. Man, she's got her eyes wide. It's like, I'm standing by Taylor Swift. You know, one day I'm going to tell my grandkids how I was there and Tay-Tay was there. And, you know, I, I shared with her my sippy cup. And, and, and it, was, it, was, it was great. It was awesome. Now, some of you feel that way. How many of you are going to tune in just because Taylor Swift is there? Anybody? Somebody? Yes, thank you for being honest, Jensen. I see you back there, my man. But then there are others, <laughs> like the fan over her left shoulder, who understands there's a game going on, you know? I mean, there's something else that's happening. I'm really not that, you know, encouraged by it. How many of you are going to watch the game even though Taylor Swift is there? We got people that are going to watch it even though? All right, much more of you are going to be doing that. How many of you didn't even know there was a game this weekend? We have, all right, we do have some <laughs> who fall into that, who fall into that bracket. Um, hey, but this, this really is, it is a, it is a big deal. Charles R. Taylor, a marketing professor at Villanova University, observed that the Super Bowl is already such a major U.S. pop culture event. He says it's already a mix of people who like the NFL, which has a big audience, and then you've got the people who are more interested in the ads than the game. Can I get an oh yeah with that, right? Yeah, we, we, we love those ads. And, and I know I might be in the minority of preachers, but I've just got to say I miss the Budweiser frogs. All right? I know I probably shouldn't say that, especially here from stage and stuff, but I do. I miss, I miss the frogs. Um, but, but, but here's what Charles Taylor says. Now you add this Taylor Swift effect on top of that, and he says it's going to be a record-breaking broadcast. In fact, an anticipated 120 million people will watch tonight's game, just in the U.S., and Apex Marketing Group President Eric Smallwood told Yahoo Sports that every time, get this, every time Taylor Swift is shown smiling and cheering from a luxury box, she will generate between $50,000 and $125,000 per second of brand exposure for the designer of whatever outfit she chooses to wear. Yeah. If she puts on a jersey, a sweatshirt, a jacket, a hat, a beanie, something, right? $50,000 to $125,000 per second of brand exposure. So you can plan on CBS cameras finding Miss Swift early and often, right? She's going to be there tonight. And did you know that people are even betting on how many times she will be shown? You can bet on things like that, sure. 
All of this for someone who, as of today, has averaged only 25 seconds of airtime during previous games that she has attended. 25 seconds of a three-hour broadcast. And you say, well, that's just 25 seconds. What does it matter if she's on the screen for that short amount of time? Super Bowl airtime is going for $200,000 a second. $200,000 a second for Super Bowl airtime. That's $5 million of free publicity and influence that she has for the 25 seconds that she will be on your television screen tonight. It just goes to show that being noticed, even for a short amount of time, can have a big impact. In fact, you cannot truly place a monetary value on being noticed. The desire to be seen is innate in every human existence. It, it, it's, it's as important almost as the desire to breathe. I mean, think about this. After a child learns how to walk and, and talk, they can be expected to jump in front of someone, yell, watch me, watch me. Hey, Dad, watch me. Mom, watch me. The kids at school, watch me. Hey, teacher, watch me. We share selfies. We post videos. We record blogs. All in an attempt to gain the attention of others. And in fact, even the most introverted of us, at some level, want to be noticed. That's why I love the opening of John chapter 9. For it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He's walking along, and here is a man who is not only blind, but practically invisible. How many years had it been since another human being had turned their face to even offer a passing glance? But Jesus, as he is walking along, actually looked at the man. He saw the hurt that the man was dealing with, and he saw the disappointment of life that he lived with, the dependency, the anonymity. No one has ever seen like Jesus. He noticed tax collector who was sitting in the bend of a sycamore tree, and he saw a ripe heart for repentance. He focused in on a widow who had, who had walked into the temple courts, and he focused in enough to realize that she was giving everything that she had. He gave recognition to random children because of their value and worth. He stopped a funeral procession because he saw a mother grieving so much for her child and realized this was an opportunity to bring life. He saw tiny mustard seeds and insignificant sparrows. He witnessed bigotry and apathy and hypocrisy. He paid attention to others' doubts and to their fears. No one has ever seen like Jesus. And as we watch him, we begin to see what love does. Love pays attention. Love pays attention. And guys, that's different. That is so different. In fact, it's so different, the disciples could not see. Teacher, whose sin, whose sin caused this man to be born blind? Who messed up? Who blew it? So that now, this man is having to beg. This man is having to be dependent on someone else just to get him to and from this location. Dependent on every single thing that he does. 
Who was it that sinned? Was it his own sin? Did he do it to himself? Was it a choice that he made? Was it a lifestyle that he chose? Was it the way in which he decided to go about living a godless life? Is it his fault? Or how about his parents? What about his parents? What is it that they did? Where did they go? How did they live their life? What belief system did they hold? Who was it that sinned that caused this man to be like this? Never mind that the man is a beggar in need of help. Never mind that the man has spent his life in a dark cave. Never mind that this man is seated in front of them within earshot of their voices. He can hear what it is that they're saying as they are talking about him. And yet they openly talk about him and decide, not only let's talk about him, let's talk about his sin. They looked at the man, but they did not see what Jesus saw. They saw an object for an interesting theological discussion. I hope when you read that, you, I hope you automatically see there in John 9 that, man, they're being harsh. I hope you see the insensitivity that followers of Jesus can have when theology and debate and argument and theory wins out over basic humanity. How could they have been so insensitive or so blind? You may not like the answer. You see, it's easier to talk about a person than to help a person. The rabbis had developed the principle that there is no death without sin and there is no suffering without iniquity. That was common thought during this time. They were even capable of thinking that a child could sin in the womb or that its soul might have sinned in some pre-existent state somewhere. They also held that terrible punishments came on certain people because of the sin of their parents. You see, the question the disciples are asking Jesus is not just one that they pulled out of the air. It is something that the people of God had long been talking about and discussing while others lay there in need. It's a lot easier to talk about a person than to help a person. And religious people, man, we love to debate issues, don't we? We love to debate issues. That's why it's easier to debate homosexuality than to be a friend to a gay person. That's why it's easier to discuss the divorce than wrap your arms around someone whose marriage has fallen apart. That's why it's easier to argue against abortion than to actually support an orphanage or adopt. It's easier to complain about the welfare system than to go and help the poor. It has always been easier to label than to love. And don't you just love it when people label you before they know you? Isn't that always great? Doesn't that make you feel good? Oh, so you're Gen Z. You're not going to show up to work on time, are you? Mm, nervous laughter out there. You're an engineer. You don't get jokes. Now, I... I know, I know, that, that's harsh, because I do know an engineer. 
I, I know one that does. I don't know a lot, but I mean, I know one. She's an Episcopalian. I bet she's a liberal Democrat. Young single mom. Immorality. You're an evangelical, aren't you? Translation, narrow-minded Trump supporter. You're a preacher. Translation, well, I'll leave that one to you. Don't you just love it when people make judgments about you before they know you? What if God did that with us? What if when God noticed us, he judged us by our outward appearance or our abilities? What if God judged us based on where we grew up or based on what we do for a living? Or what if we were judged by God by the mistakes that we made when we were young or, or when we hit that midlife crisis or, or even when we have grown old? What if God had a height requirement? Or, or what if God based his acceptance on an ACT score? If God acted like that, then he would be just like you. He would be just like me, right? He would be acting just like us. But thankfully, the Lord doesn't see things the way that we see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Can I get a thank you on that? Just go ahead and say thank you. Friends, we are all born imperfect, and yet we have all been noticed and loved by a perfect God. In fact, one of the greatest miracles of life is the fact that God pays attention to us. Have you thought about how special that is? How special it is to be noticed by God? It's partly the reason the writers of Scripture speak so often of God's face. Consider the priestly blessing from Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. You know, to turn your face to someone is to give them your full attention. It's what I'm always hopeful for as, as, as I am here with, with a crowd and, and looking for faces that are not glowing by phone light. To know that I'm receiving full attention. But beyond that, it's the desire of every child of God to be seen of God. It's why David cried out in Psalm 27, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not reject me or forsake me, God, my Savior. Throughout the psalm, throughout the scriptures, you can see the attitude that develops. Nothing could be worse than the thought of God hiding his face from his people. And so Jesus had a, a different view of the man here born blind. Rather than see him as an opportunity for discussion, he saw him as an opportunity for God. Why was he blind? Jesus says so that the power of God could be shown in him. Think about that perspective. The man wasn't a victim of fate. He was a miracle waiting to happen. Jesus didn't label him. He noticed him because he loved him. He noticed him. And so he helped him. 
The man had not been punished by God. He had not lost some cosmic lottery. God had not turned his face away. He, just like you and just like me, had been born with an imperfection. And he, like you, was in need of the healing power of God's grace. And he, like you, was waiting for God to restore what had been missing since Eden. He was longing for perfection. Because, and this is, and understand, this has been the prophet's message to God's people for centuries. The message being that when the Messiah comes, imperfection will be turned into perfection. And so God would speak to the prophet Isaiah telling him, say to those who, are, who have fearful hearts, say to those who are worried, say to those who are concerned, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. And notice what happens when God shows up. Then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Your God's coming. Your God's coming and your God sees and your God notices and your God pays attention. And when your God shows up, your God will act. That was the message of the prophets. That was the expectation. And the people of God were told that a day was coming when the imperfection would be made to perfection. For the blind man in John 9, that day arrived when Jesus came walking by. Because the only way that things were going to change for him is if the power of God's grace were to work mightily in his life. It's the only way that he sees. And it's the only way that you get sober. And it's the only way that your marriage survives. It's the only way that you withstand temptation. It's the only way that you hold up under cancer. Friends, we are all living with some degree of imperfection and we are all in need of the attention and the love of God. For some, that attention and that love, that power is experienced now. You see, each of us must rely on God's healing to live with and then perhaps even overcome right now some of our imperfections, our anger, our depression. Our addictions, our, our physical, mental, and emotional limitations, our spiritual blindness. But some imperfections will not be overcome until this life ends. And so John would tell Christians, dear friends, now we are children of God, and we have not yet been shown what we will be in the future. But we know that when Christ comes again, we will be like him. One more time, will you just say out loud, Thank you. I mean, isn't that good news? Isn't that great to know that God sees you and God notices and God pays attention and that God acts and that there's coming a day when we are truly going to be like him? We're going to, to look like Jesus? We're not going to have the limitations that we have now? All of those things that hold us back, all of those things that limit us, all of those things that we look at and say are imperfections? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that at the coming of Christ, God will restore all that this world in its sinful condition is sought to take away. Blind eyes will see, and deformed legs will run, and mouths that only mumble will shout with praise because imperfection has been turned into perfection. 
I need some Gatorade after that. That's good news. Thank you. That's great. So let me ask. When you think about this, when you start thinking about the way that God notices and the way that God pays attention and the power of God that was demonstrated in the life of this man, I encourage you to continue to read his story there in John chapter 9 and to see what happened and to see how he was given sight but that others around him were totally blinded to what was taking place. I want you to read through that and then ask yourself, where am I in this story? You see, some of you are going to relate to the man that was born blind. You know what it means to, have, to be topics of conversation. You've been left on the outside looking in. You've been labeled. You've been overlooked. If so, then learn what this man learned. When everyone else rejects you, Christ accepts you. When everyone else leaves you, Christ finds you. And when no one else sees you, God turns his face to you. As you read through, maybe you're going to relate to the observers. You've compared and you've labeled, and maybe you've even pitied others, as if you are the standard of perfection. Well, if that is you, I want you to go back again and, and look there at John chapter 4 and understand what your role is. Jesus said, as long as it is day, and he looks at those observers, he looks at those disciples, and he says, we must do the works of him who sent me. We. We must continue the works of God. You say, well, what are the works of God? Well, what is it that, that I'm supposed to be about? Well, what is, it that I, what is it that I should be doing? What should be different about me? Well, Jesus shows us. Turn your face to the people around you. Give your focus to others. Pay attention to people. Notice people. Especially notice the people that, that no one else seems to notice. And do this as you just go along. The, the great thing about noticing is that it happens during the routine and unspectacular moments of life. Noticing happens as you are walking, as you are driving, as you are sitting, as you are eating. So position yourself to see what Jesus would see if he were looking through your eyes. And then refuse to label those that you see. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't assume that you know how or why the other person is where they are. See beyond the clothes and, and the jersey that maybe that they are wearing. See past the tribe, the group that they are identifying with. The conditions, the choices, all of the things that maybe you have been conditioned to lump people into certain categories. Refuse to do that. Don't dwell on the language that you hear. Don't dwell on the emotion that you see. Don't worry about gender or nationality or social standing. Just see them. And then offer the healing that is specific to you. 
What can you do in that moment? Can you say hello? Can you pick up something that has fallen to the ground? Can you call them by name? Can you just listen to their story? Can you provide a shoulder to cry on? Maybe you need to offer a meal at that moment. Maybe you need to offer to pay a bill. Maybe you need to offer a room. Maybe you need to give forgiveness right there. Or maybe, and this would be awesome, maybe what you need to do is you turn your face to the people around you and refuse to label the ones that you see. Maybe the best thing you can do in that moment and the healing that you can share is to simply tell them about Jesus. Friends, the only way anything changes is for someone to see what Jesus sees and to then join him in the work of God. Notice someone. See somebody outside of your group. Slow down so that you might be able to take in the faces as you're quickly hurrying by just for a short amount of time. Because when you notice someone, just for that small period, it can have a huge, huge impact. You see, tonight people will watch the Super Bowl, some in hopes of catching just a glimpse of Taylor Swift. But tomorrow, people will watch you needing to, take, to catch a glimpse of God. Turn your face to the people around you. Refuse to label. Offer the healing that is specific to you. Love different. Love different. You know, earlier I mentioned that one of the great miracles of life is that God pays attention to us. But I think we have to ask if we pay any attention to God. You see, I think one of the reasons that we struggle to see others is that we have become so blind to God in our lives. I think each of us at various times and at various levels suffer from spiritual attention deficit disorder. And we're all over the place. We focus here one minute and then we're there and we, we focus over here the next minute and, and there's so many squirrels that are taking away our attention and there's so many shiny little bobbly things and all in that moment, God is present trying to get our attention. Basil Pennington uses the metaphor of a pond to describe the importance of, of stillness and paying attention to God. You know, when you, when you throw a stone into a pond, the stone will create uh, ripples that reach all the way from the initial impact all the way to the outer edges of the pond if the pond is still. When the pond is still, the arrival of the stone can be witnessed over the entire surface. But when the pond is not still, when the surface of the water is already ruffled and, and tossed by winds or, or waves, whether the arrival of the stone goes practically un, undetected. Throw that stone into the water with as much force as you can muster, but the impact is going to be swallowed up and lost by the already frantic motion that is there on the surface. Friends, we don't recognize the attention of God because our heart and our mind and our soul are already disturbed. 
already disturbed because of all the noise and because of all the anxiety and because of all the pain, because of the doubt. We, we don't recognize, we don't see God because of the guilt that we hold, because of the sins that we commit, because of the pressure, because of the regret, and because of the desires that, that war within us. There's too much activity, and there are too many commitments, and there's too much stimulation, and there's way too little sleep. And all of these keep us from discerning the pebble that is God's attentive presence in our lives. So let me invite you this morning. Let me invite you this morning just to be still. To be still so that you might be able to open your heart to God in order to better see the people that are around you. Love pays attention. It's different. Father, as we sit here this morning, can we just take a deep breath not just for our body, but for our soul. Can we sit here in this stillness? And can we just be aware of your presence? We've come here this morning thinking that we are bringing you an offering, perhaps. What we don't realize is that in this moment, you are offering us something. Offering us time where we can stop, where we can recenter. where we can be reminded of how you have noticed us. It's a moment to remember your healing. It's a moment to remember not just the cross, but the resurrection. And a moment to understand that unless you had acted, there would be no hope for us. So, Father, allow our soul to breathe, to focus, to notice you. So that, Father, we can better see the people who are around us and truly see them. Recognize those with anxiety and pain. Stop for those who can't move quickly. To be present in the lives of individuals who just need someone to talk to. Father, allow us to see those who are uncertain about the future.
allow us to recognize individuals that that don't know what to do next. Father, help us not to hurry from those who truly are dealing with some very difficult things. Give us the heart of your son so that as we are walking along and as we are sitting and, and as we are eating and as we are just driving by that we might have eyes to see. That our face might turn to those who are around us and that we would refuse to label as society does but instead, Father, that we might look upon those who are around us and that we might see a picture of ourselves and think about how that we are in need and how that, that we too are imperfect. And then will you motivate us, will you empower us to act in the way that we can that's specific to us each of us being able to offer something that is unique in that moment, something that is special to us, something that we can do right there and right then. Father, I praise God for the blind man. I praise God for the fact that I praise him and I give thanks to you for the fact that the man was a miracle waiting to happen. And that, Father, after his sight was restored, it was not just physically that he had been changed, but spiritually as well. And so I pray that the same would happen to us today. I pray that in noticing you, in being noticed by you, that we would be different tomorrow because we have seen you today and that others will benefit because of it. Thank you for this time of stillness. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing about the goodness of God. And as we sing this song together, maybe you just need to continue sitting there where you are maybe you need to have your eyes closed with your palms up just like we talked about last week maybe you need to stand and raise those palms to God in praise of his goodness because you have been noticed by him and you recognize that maybe your eyes need to be going and looking around this room because you have come in here week after week year after year and yet you do not know the family of God that is present here and you need to see people and then you need to act accordingly maybe you need to uh, maybe you need to leave this space as we sing and go back to our prayer room and just have some one-on-one -on -one time with one of our shepherds where you can perhaps walk through some of the things that we have discussed talking about some of the things that have taken place here today and have a time of private prayer or maybe this morning you just need to be seen. Maybe you need to come before this church body saying, will someone just see me? And give us the opportunity to wrap our arms around you. Maybe because you've been seen by God, you'd like to be baptized into Christ. and We'd love to celebrate in that moment. Whatever your need is, why don't you stand or sit or bow?
and praise the goodness of God.